the emerging Russia-Iran-Turkey axis. We know from Ezekiel 38 that Persia, or Iran, is part of Goat's confederacy. This area consists of part of the ancient Babylonian and Persian empires. Also with Gog is Libya and Ethiopia, which includes modern-day Sudan. These are both specifically mentioned in Daniel 11 verse 43 as being with the king of the north. Tugama is modern-day Turkey, part of the ancient Eastern Roman Empire. A key description of Gog is that he is a guard or protector of these countries in Ezekiel 38 verse 7. And Ezekiel 38 is consistent with Daniel 2, 7, and 8, and 11. All these chapters tell the same story, but from different perspectives. Interestingly, Persia is also included as the third empire in the vision of Daniel 2. This vision not only provides an outline of world history, but what will exist in the latter days. The image exists as a whole when Christ returns. The four metals are broken in pieces together, so we can expect to see in some way a combination of or alliance between these four empires when Christ comes. This is consistent with Ezekiel 38, where Gog's confederacy also comprises the same general territory. In Daniel chapter 8, the Roman Empire, the little horn, becomes exceeding great. Daniel 8 verse 23 to 25 describes the fundamental characteristics of Rome through the ages and extending to our time. Daniel 8 verse 25 says that Rome shall cause craft to prosper, meaning deceit or fraud. As the latter-day Roman military power, Russia will, by peace, destroy many, by using clever intrigue and religious fraud. Consistent with Daniel 2 and 7, Rome is destroyed by Jesus Christ, the Prince of Princes, when he comes. In Revelation 16 verse 13, the dragon and the beast reappear prior to Armageddon, despite their earlier disappearance. The dragon is the eastern empire with military headquarters in Constantinople, or Istanbul, whereas the beast is the western empire, today the EU. Also in Revelation 16 are the revolutions influencing these events, with the final sign prior to Christ's return being that of a revolutionary, frog-like spirit gathering many nations. Just like the plague of frogs in Exodus chapter 8, the promise of freedom ends up becoming a delusion. This is exactly our world and the Middle East today. Revolutions have gripped the Middle East since 2010, and the impacts continue to be felt today. The uprising in Syria did not ultimately overthrow the government, but greatly weakened the country. This resulted in Syria being at the mercy of Russia, which continues to occupy much of its territory. Recently, the UN Special Envoy for Syria, Gaia Pedersen, said that Syria faces a crisis of epic proportions for the Syrian people. Prophetically, therefore, we expect to see Russia strengthen its alliances across the eastern part of the empire, from Turkey across to Iraq, Syria and Iran. This is exactly what is happening. What is not yet clear is how Western Europe will be forced by circumstances, possibly even beyond its control, to make a deal with Russia as a result of its emerging military conquests. That may occur after Christ has returned to take the saints to judgment. Russia continues to inflict destruction in Ukraine and has faced many obstacles in its attempt to take territory from Ukraine. Incredibly, the Russian Orthodox Church has played a central role in this war. CNN says, in Putin's vision for the world, a medieval narrative resurfaces. Putin's vision is supported by Kirill, who also sees Ukraine as an integral, historical part of his Russian church. 
At the beginning of the war, Patriarch Kirill gave a sermon in which he emphasised the God-given unity of Ukraine and Russia. ABC News said that Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine is not just a war of politics, it's a holy war. First, Vladimir Putin goes to church, puts on the cross, and then he kills. That's what the Archbishop of Cyprus has said about Putin's war on Ukraine. He asks, is this Putin's orthodoxy? This is not just a war of politics, it is a holy war. Vladimir Putin cannot separate Ukraine from the Holy Rus, the God-given Russian Empire. Crimea, annexed by Putin in 2014, is the cradle of Russian Christianity, where Prince Vladimir, the leader of the Kivian Rus, converted to the faith in the 10th century. In July, leaders of Russia, Turkey and Iran met to discuss the wars in Ukraine and Syria and to strengthen their ties. We know that Russia will occupy Turkey in the end. However, it is not yet entirely clear how this will start, either by alliance or by conquest. Ultimately, as Daniel 11 verse 44 indicates, it will be by military occupation. Russia's relationship with Turkey has been an uneasy one, more of an alliance of convenience. Joel chapter 3 verse 10 has an unusual statement in relation to Israel's enemies preparing for Armageddon, saying, let the weak say I am strong. This means that countries, which are in themselves relatively weak, become strong through military alliances with other nations. This is exactly what Russia is doing. The Washington Post reports, Putin is trying to build a new axis of autocrats. Taking a page from the Western Alliance Building Playbook, Putin is devoting considerable time and energy to fostering a new axis of autocrats that is bringing Moscow into ever tighter collaboration with China, North Korea and Iran. Western countries play down these developments at their own peril. A powerful anti-Western bloc of dictatorships is taking shape. The Russia-China strategic partnership that Putin and Xi Jinping forged in February in Beijing, to some derision at the time, is accelerating in the military, energy and financial arenas. The Atlantic Council says Russia is forming an alliance of pariah states in the Middle East. It might put Israel in an awkward situation in Syria. Today, the gloves are finally off. For lack of other options, Russia is opening to Iran and preparing to establish a new alliance of pariah states with the Islamic Republic to the detriment of Jerusalem. This turn in Russian strategy poses a grave new challenge, not only to Israel, but the United States. The Australian reports, Russia, China, hold drills in the Pacific as Xi Jinping vows calm to troubled world. Russia and China are conducting joint military drills in the Pacific, even as Xi Jinping told Vladimir Putin that the two countries should work together as great powers to bring stability to a world rocked by turmoil. Warships of the Russian Navy and Chinese People's Liberation Army Navy were scheduled to drill in tactical manoeuvring, signals communication, artillery fire, and shipboard helicopter operations as part of an international military cooperation program. As predicted in Revelation 16 verse 13, revolutions and uprisings are having a significant impact on nations, fundamentally changing alliances and pushing their leaders into making desperate decisions. This now even includes Iran. CNBC reports that mass protests in Iran sparked by a woman's death in police custody, are the regime's biggest challenge in years. 
Protests rocking Iran over the death of a 22-year-old woman in police custody have spread to at least 50 cities, even as police arrest and kill demonstrators in a violent crackdown. For the conservative Islamic theocracy of 86 million people, whose rigid laws forbid any dissent and impose fearsome punishments for those deemed a threat to the ruling regime, the acts of rebellion are huge, and the first time a protest movement on this scale has been led by women. At the time of writing, Ukraine's president and security chiefs were meeting to plan ways to counteract Russia's use of new types of weapons after Moscow steps up its attacks using Iranian combat drones. This is a significant development. The Wall Street Journal reports that Iran and Russia are cementing an alliance with grain, drones and satellites. The two US rivals are accelerating efforts to build trade and military ties as they face international isolation. Iran and Russia are forging tighter ties than ever as their international isolation drives the two staunch American foes toward more trade and military cooperation, alarming Washington. In July, Iran became the world's largest buyer of Russian wheat. This month, Russia launched an Iranian satellite into space in a rare success for Tehran's space program. And last week, Iran's military hosted joint drone exercises with Russian forces. Politico reports that there's a huge problem. Iranian drones pose new threat to Ukraine. It was a little over a week ago that Iranian drones first began to appearing in the skies of Ukraine. The drones flew from Crimea to attack a special forces unit fighting near the southern city of Kherson. The drones evaded the soldiers' defences and dropped bombs on their position, destroying two tanks with their crews inside. The Iranian drones appeared to be a potential game-changer for the Russians. They are relatively small and fly at low altitude, evading Ukrainian radars. Not only is Iran providing military assistance to Russia, but they are both building the foundation for a potential natural gas cartel. The Russian-Iran alliance aims to control as much of the two key elements in the global supply matrix as possible. One source in Iran's petroleum ministry said, gas is seen as the optimal product in the transformation from fossil fuels to renewable energy. So controlling as much of the global flow of that will be the key to energy-based power over the next 10 to 20 years. Their energy alliance is linked with their military deals. The Gatestone Institute reports that Iran's deepening military expansion into Europe has led to the Iranian regime's decision to give its backing to Russia's military offensive against Ukraine. Representing an alarming expansion in Iran's military ambitions beyond the Middle East, Arguably, Khamenei's most revealing comment during the visit was his call for Iran and Russia to increase what he termed reciprocal cooperation between the two countries to counter the threat of Western sanctions. The concern now, says Western security officials, is that the commercial ties between the two countries will lead to closer military cooperation. Everywhere we look, the world is spiralling out of control. Ultimately, the Middle East and particularly the city of Jerusalem, will become the focus of all these crises. We are regularly reading articles that speak of a complete upheaval and unravelling of the world. Here are a couple of examples. The Jerusalem Post said, The US warns Putin of catastrophic consequences if nuclear weapons are used in Ukraine. This is not a bluff, Putin said in the remarks viewed on the world stage as a threat on the potential use of nuclear weapons. After severing setbacks on the battlefield, Putin is mobilising 300,000 troops, 
while also threatening to use all available means to protect Russia. The Middle Eastern Eye reports that Greece warns of Ukraine-style war with Turkey in East Mediterranean. Tensions are boiling in the Eastern Mediterranean, with Greece saying that the region risks falling into a war similar to that seen in Ukraine after Turkey raised the spectre of military action against its neighbour. Turkey and Greece have long been enmeshed in a series of disputes, including over maritime rights, the sovereignty over Aegean islands, natural gas and airspace boundaries. Not only are the nations gathering for Armageddon, but the financial systems of the world are also on the brink. And so we await the final unfolding of these things. What a blessing it is to have God's ultimate purpose so clearly revealed in the scriptures. The exhortation for us is not to be lulled into a false sense of security, as most natural Jews have been. In Luke 21, verse 26 to 28, Jesus warns that these events herald his return. Men's hearts, failing them for fear, and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And then they shall see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. God's purpose will come about exactly as he has promised, and our Lord will soon be here as King in Jerusalem. As Psalm 8 says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him, and I am helped. My heart leaps for joy, and I will give thanks to him in song. The Lord is the strength of his people, a fortress of salvation for his anointed one.